We've got a question today from Royce, and it's about Christmas. And he says this: How do you Christianize something that is pagan? That is Christmas. And he also says we know that Christmas is a pagan festival in honor of the Lord. It was never. Christian, and a little later on in this question, Victor, we have to answer a, a text in the Old Testament that alludes to the worship of idols. But first, how do you Christianize something that is pagan? Well, Ray, that's、uh, he, he's written this in because he's actually been on our website and seen a Bible answer we'd already posted up there about Christmas,、uh, and he was very concerned at our answer, and、um, he was saying, "Let let me read what I, I had got written on the website." Um, talking about a special festival celebrating Christ's birth,、um, I, I had said, but I think that Christians need to reclaim Christmas and refocus our minds on the things that are more important.、Uh, and he was really saying to us quite strongly and actually quite rightly, how can you reclaim something that was never Christian in the first place?、Um, so if you actually go on the website now and look there, you will find that it says we need to use Christmas. To focus our minds,、um, because that's my belief. While the rest of the world is at least, in some way, looking and remembering the name of Jesus as a, as a baby born in Bethlehem, it seems to me that as Christians we can use that as as an opportunity to share the real meaning of Jesus' birth around the world and and with our friends and our neighbours and and our family members. And I think that that's、um, quite a, a a good thing for us to do. Another section of Royce's question has to do with Exodus 32 verses 4 to 10, and just to summarise that, you remember when the children of Israel had、uh, crossed over the Red Sea, God had miraculously parted the waters and they came through. Well, not too long after that, Moses was up on the mountain collecting the Ten Commandments. And what were the people doing? They were down below. They had melted all their gold and、uh, other precious metals, and, and they made a calf out of that. And with Aaron's permission, they started to worship this calf. And the consequences of that were that those people who were leading out had to actually ground that calf up, mix it with water, and drink it, and they all died. So that was a very grave consequence.、Uh, Victor, how do we measure this up with the potentially uh, pagan um, links to Christmas in this respect? Well, I think what you're looking at here in, in Exodus 32 and verses 4 to 10. Is a direct rebellion against God, and and what He'd instructed Israel. The the Israelites were looking for an image of a God that they could see, rather than the God that was speaking to them from the mountain and and leading them in the pillar of cloud and fire, and, and their action was one that was really leading them directly away from God. Even at the time, as you say, when God was giving them the Ten Commandments, when God's voice could even be heard on the mountain, and they were afraid of it. Let's then move that towards Christmas and maybe even Easter, which both do indeed have links to the ancient pagan festivals of the past, although those links are long cut off. I, I don't think any Christian today would be thinking of Asherah or any pagan deity, but indeed of Jesus Christ Himself. And I think we have to look at this in in this broad kind of way because it's true in many other areas of life as well. If you Wants to move away from uttering anything that remotely resembles the name of a pagan god, then certainly in English you need to start by renaming the days of the week, each of them named after a pagan god. But we don't think of worshiping the moon each Monday or Thor, the god of thunder, each Thursday, do we? But the thing is this: that everything we do needs to be biblical, and as far as I see it, there is really no biblical injunction for Christmas. How do you explain that? 
Well, you're you're right. There's not. Um, what the Bible writers were concerned with was was more the the death and the resurrection of of Jesus Christ, and, and we see those celebrated in baptism and in communion, the the breaking of bread, and even the communion that we celebrate in our church today bears very little resemblance to the the breaking of bread that took place in the book of Acts. Um, certainly in in my church, the, the Adventist church, the tradition grew out of Methodism, which in turn grew out of Anglican and, and Catholic traditions, um, and, and has become a very formal service rather than just something naturally as, as part of, of your evening meal, perhaps. Should we then ban that form of service, or, or is it something that we still find meaningful to draw us back towards Jesus. Now, again, in in my church, um, if you go back, you know, to the end of the 19th century and um, the people that were the pioneers of our church and and one of our our pioneers, Ellen White, she had some very particular thoughts on the celebration of Christmas. She recognized the origins of Christmas as coming from a pagan background But her greatest thought about it was that it would draw people towards Christ and the greatest gift of all. She discouraged people from frivolous entertainment and exchanging lavish gifts and and perhaps going to some of the the real excesses we see today. You know, I I was reading the newspaper just this last week that certainly in Britain, a lot of people almost go bankrupt over Christmas because of the presents they think they need to give to their spouse and give to their children. And instead of being a time of of harmony and of sharing and of families coming together, it can actually be a very, very stressful period. What she's encouraging is an exchange of of simple gifts, encouraging a family time together, encouraging a time of worship together, even in in the church services, to to be remembering Jesus' birth, which was really a very significant turning point in, in the history of this world. Romans 14 and verse 1 to 6, Victor, has something in it that may have a link to the, at least the principle of what we're talking about here. Can you enlighten us more on that? Yes, and I think it's the principles that we need to be very clear about. Here in Romans 14, we have a problem where some Christians were refusing to eat food that was bought in the meat market because it would almost certainly have been offered to pagan gods first. And um, Paul's concerned response to those Christians was not to pass judgments on matters like this, but to let each person decide for themselves what they should do. In that Paul knew the the gods weren't real, he saw no problem in eating food that had been offered to gods that weren't real. What difference did it make? Um, But he didn't want to cause offence to other Christians whose conscience was a little bit sensitive about this, uh, and who did see it as a problem. And so in verses 14 and 15, he says, you know, whichever way you choose, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it to the glory of God. And and I would say the same thing about Christmas, about Easter, about some of the other biblical feasts that the, that the Jews kept, for which there is actually no specific godly injunction for them to keep it, like the Feast of Purim, for example. I know that Christmas is not Jesus' birthday. I don't celebrate it as his birthday, but I do fully utilise it as an opportunity to share the message and the love of Jesus with the world that really does need to know him. And at a time that they are more receptive to that message as well.